0: How to Help Young People Rise Up from Rock Bottom and Thrive with the author of Now What? Ahmed Vital on episode number 267 of the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller.
1: And it just, it really was one of those situations where someone basically mentioned it's a tale of two fathers. And obviously my biological father's still here. The man who raised me is no longer with us. But the balance between the two of them, obviously there's been a lot of push-pull between my biological father. Not to say that there wasn't any stress with the man who raised me as well, but I know that the common denominator was that they never allowed me to use excuses.
0: with Dr. Brad Miller. What a pleasure and a privilege to have you join me today from wherever you are listening to me from. I'm coming to you from the loft offices in my home just outside of Indianapolis, Indiana, looking to speak a good word into your life to help you to navigate adversity and to achieve your life of peace and prosperity and purpose. Please head over to drbradmiller.com for over 260 episodes of this podcast designed to help you to grow through what you go through, and at drbradmuller.com slash 40 way, you can find out more about our coaching and our courses. Question for you, what do you do when you hit rock bottom and you need to find a way out? One of the overriding themes of the Beyond the Adversity podcast is we help people to deal with rock bottom situations. It might be a health situation, uh, it might be financial, it could be mental health, depression, death in the family, Uh, financial. It could be any any of these things. But it seems to hit a little deeper in some regards when it involves young people. And there is indeed a bit of an epidemic of of mental distress among young people. I'm talking about teenagers up to young adults now uh, in our country, in the United States and in our world. That needs to be addressed really uh, ridiculous in the level that they impact people in our world right now. Our author guest today is doing something about it. His name is Ahmad Vitt and he is all about helping young people uh, to be through motivation and consulting and through his authorship. He uh, is author of several books, and he's a motivational speaker. And is he comes to us from the context of the athletic world for uh, coaching and scouting and things of this nature. And he has used it as a context, really, for what he teaches. And his latest book is called Now What? Ahmad comes to us with a background where he had to deal with some now what situations in his life. There's some struggles in his family growing up and particularly when he had the situation when he had just published his very first book and his father died unexpectedly. He had to deal with his adversity and to find a way, a path forward. In our conversation today, he's going to talk to us about what are the five steps, what are the five phases that people can take in order to uh, emerge from a rock-bottom situation and to thrive. We'll talk more about those in some detail when we come back on the other side of our conversation, I think you're going to find a fascinating and great conversation with Ahmad Vital, the author of Now What? Let's get into our conversation with Ahmad right now. Our guest today is Ahmad Batal. He is an author of several books and has an organization which helps young people to navigate life in some healthy ways. He's the previous author of Awaken the Baller Within, and I Am More Than Enough. And his new book published in January of 2023 is now what? Five Steps to Get Up and Create the Most of Life. Ahmad Vatel, welcome to Beyond Adversity, my friend. Thank you for having me on. Indeed, a pleasure and a privilege to have you here. And we're going to talk about your book here in a little bit in context of what you are all about, Ahmad. But we really know that there had to be some motivation for writing this book out of your own life experience. And we know some, you and I have shared a little bit about how your life experience has had some challenges to it, as well as some successes to it. But give us a synopsis of your life experience, including Maybe a pivotal, difficult experience, which may lead to many of the things that you do now.
1: First, thank you for having me on. Uh, I'll say starting off, I was a guy from a small town and born to two amazing parents. But as we know that sometimes relationships don't work out. And I think by the age of 11 or 12, my parents had split up. And so my biological father went his way. And my mother went another way out. She was remarried and I was introduced to another man who raised me all through my preteen through till his death. And it just—it really was one of those situations where someone basically mentioned it, it's a tale of two fathers. And obviously, my biological father's still here. The man who raised me is no longer with us. But the balance between the two of them, obviously, there's been a lot of push-pull between my biological father. Not to say that there wasn't any stress with the man who raised me as well, but I know that the common denominator was that they never allowed me to use excuses. Yeah, I was never let- allowed... Let me urge
0: you only a sec to give us a little context here, Ahmad, about when did this transition take place? Your parents split up about what age and about what age did the new gentleman come into your life? So as you say, you had two fathers. So let's get a little context on your life situation at the time.
1: So it probably it was around 11 or 12 when that switch happened. So basically going into, you know, sometime between middle school and high school, that split happened. So you had these um, two it- two father figures in your life had a formative time of your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And obviously, we know biology, that's around a time when puberty's kicking in, the attitude coming and all of those things like that. And I was mm-hmm. an athlete. So all the aggressiveness that you can think of was all present. And um, these two men were able to navigate through all of that. And really, that really propelled me through and I was able to do a lot of great and amazing things. Obviously, I've been a writer since I could walk. And that's always been a great thing. I've been able to cultivate that over the years. I took it all the way through high school as the newspaper editor, all the way through college. I majored in it in school and started doing it as my first couple of jobs out of, out of college as well. But along the way, I realized that, like I said, not only did they put the no excuses in me, I developed a work ethic through that, that that really was profound. It really has propelled me into even what I'm doing today. And it's been a beautiful thing. And I know that we'll dip more into specifics as far as that's concerned but both of those men gave me and created in me what what the audience is and my clients and different people work with today and it's been a great ride up to this point
0: so they helped form you and you said one of their things that these two men did that was even though they had different perspectives was no excuses what would you say was some other aspect that really was burned within you besides no excuses that they gave to you that now you start to pass on to your the people that you work with?
1: It's pursuing, really pursuing what you want to. When it comes to the not excuses, obviously, then the entitlement is not there, and that creates a delayed gratification th- type of a mindset, which is what I teach my youngsters today. That we live in a society now where you know you order something and the package is there within two days. I always tell them I was like back in the day you had to write a check, put it in the mail, and wait eight weeks for anything to come in. Yeah. Now there's <laughs> the turnaround time, is, and so that creates the idea of things are going to happen quick for you and delayed gratification is one of the greatest things you could ever embark on in life and with the way things are set up now with the internet with smartphones with Siri Alexa name your quick information now like I don't even some of these kids don't even know how to like do research in a library because they don't have to because it's just right. too accessible it's too easy and so that creates a I need it and I need it now and so the grind the the push, the fail succeed the fail succeed the fail fail then succeed and then you start back over a lot of them don't get that and it creates a real interesting scenario to happen when especially when they hit like their late teens early 20s they just don't know how to endure yeah that is a very tough thing to to try to instill in someone. And so I try to do my best to create opportunities where those type of things can happen and helping them understand. that there is no, you can't use the microwave way of doing things when it comes to life.
0: also seems like you tell me, if you think this is part of your experience, it seems like some folks, whether they be young people or not, when they do, if they have this entitled mindset, when they do crash and everybody does, they crash hard and they crash long and hard. It's hard to get up for some folks. If, they're, if they haven't had some experience of, dealing with difficulty along the way. Do you think that's part of what's going on as well? When they crash or crash hard?
1: Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And they, and like you said, crashing hard is a light way of saying it. Some of them total meltdowns. That's why if you look at the numbers, they, mental health is through the roof right now. And I'm not dis, discarding the idea of mental health, but sometimes what mental health is just written off as or written in as is just, it's a bad day. It's mm-hmm. You're having a season. Like we all have those seasons where it's just life is just not so awesome. Maybe you're yeah. going through a period of time when you're when it's just you're down many days. You're down more days than you're up. That's called life. And I'm not saying that's not on the mental health spectrum, but that's not something that's worth medicating. That's just meant to just dig deeper and just understand what we're going through here. This is the caterpillar to the butterfly. This is seed time, harvest time. All of those types of things are, are at play here. We need to teach our youngsters and put them in opportunities to where they get the chance to grow. And when there's just too many things in place to where they can. We all
0: have learned experiences in tough times, but I'm picking up a little bit what you're saying here, Mod, is it's maybe, just maybe, people in general and young people in particular don't always have the tools or the guide or the roadmaps to, uh, or coaches perhaps, to help them to navigate those things. And I know in your life you to have mentioned that one of the tough times you had to deal with was when one of those men well, those two fathers that you had—you lost him. Is that right? Was that a tough time for you?
1: It was an extremely tough time for me, and it was at a very pivotal moment in life. Happened the night after my thirty-third birthday. I, the book "Awakening the Baller Within" was just published, and for all of our authors out there, they understand how it works. Your book gets published, sure. and, you, and your you, you, publisher you. sends you the author copies. And so, I had some copies ready, and I had one ready from ready and signed for my father. And I was taking it to him that weekend. Mm. I celebrated my birthday on that. Monday or Tuesday. And the next night I looked down at my phone while I was in the other room, speaking to my fiance at the time. And it's my mother screaming into my voicemail, talking about your father is dying. And I'm like, what? No heads up, no nothing. And I'm driving to the hospital. I, I got the messages an hour later. Cause you know, sometimes your phone's away from me. And we're driving in and I'm literally in my, I'm in my feelings. But I'm also in the idea that God said he's going to make a way. And so I remember praying before I got there. I was like, all right, God, all I'm asking you to do is make sure my father walks out of this hospital. That's my prayer. Nothing else. And so I went into the situation with that almost to a level of arrogance. And I have no problem admitting that because I'm like, okay, he says that all things are possible. So do this and we'll be, everything will be all good. As soon as I walk in the hospital, it's like trail of tears, 9-11 in the shuttle Columbia. And exploded all at once in my family. Yeah, yeah. I always just lined up with relatives, and so you know, tot- looking at, total
0: chaos, huh? Wow. Just
1: dismal. Just it just felt like the There's the air out of the balloon, and then there's the balloon wrapping that's sitting on the floor. That's about the time I walked in there.
0: And all this a time like, when your book is just published, which meant for a huge accomplishment in and of its own right, and you probably your mind was probably thinking a lot about that before that phone call came in, and then boom, you're thrust into this. Incredible drama. What did that do to you? Were you crushed yourself? What did you do? How did you react to this scene of total
1: chaos? The first thing I did was rally all my siblings together and was like, hey, our father needs to come out of here and we need to be on one accord with this. And of course, there was a time when the nurse had come up to me and was like, okay, we got a countdown coming and it's not looking good. He's got about a 4% chance. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's not too good. But I still was like, this is going to happen. And then I remember there was a time when the nurse was like, there's nothing more we can do. And then my mother came up to me and was like, hey, they're saying that he can be alive, but he's only gonna be alive on machines. What are we gonna do? Mm-hmm. And I remember in that moment, I said, my dad's a fighter take him off the machines and let him fight. And we'll just let God's will take it from there. And I remember doing that. And I remember just my system just churning, like, like what am I doing?
0: Yeah. Did you and feel, was
1: it your call too, Ahmad? I'm just asking yeah. you,
0: was it was your
1: It was, because my mo- mother was at a point where she didn't feel like she could make it. And so she came to me and um and I said, our dad's a fighter and let's, we're going to put this in God's hands and let it go from there. Wow. And of course, he fought for four more hours. Yeah. And I was excited for that. And I remember just going outside screaming at God, like, hey, you know, what happened? You didn't get my message? Yeah, you didn't right. Yeah. It was what rough.
0: A, a tragic circumstance, and you have all these different emotions going on. You have the book thing, and you're dealing with family stuff, your mom, your your siblings, medical situations, your dad. I don't, And your dad, were you able to have any communication with your dad at all before he passed? Or was he pretty much out of it?
1: He was... Um, His eyes were open and I could tell he was looking at me, but there was nothing. And that was a tough visual for me because, again, my dad is the strongest man I had known up to that point.
0: Yeah. So all I'm sharing with you, I'm I'm not trying to drag out too much of the detail in the sense of for any sense of morbidity, but also a sense of the drama. Human drama is there for all of us when we have difficult times and it is an emotional, you know, tornado that goes on with all of us when we have those situations. I've been both blessed and a little bit traumatized myself to be with those situations in my own family and as a pastor being with people a number of occasions about that. And it's, it's tough. It drains you and takes it out of you. And yet I take it that you took this experience somehow or another, and it became a part of the process for you to give back to others so let's go there for a minute About how did you take none of this experience other experiences in your life to begin to motivate you to serve especially young people what were you taking out of your life that you said okay here's a light switch for me I
1: got to give back
0: something to young people some of this comes out of your athletic background is that right
1: it does, and obviously that was the basis of Awakening the Baller Within. That I basically did the same thing Napoleon Hill did with Thinking Grow Rich. I just did it with athletes, with high end football players. Okay, and so I started getting into their mindset and I started seeing behind them. And over time, as I was doing all this, and these were just interviews I was doing as working for the college football sites I was working for. Okay, but once you start connecting with them, then you're just like, okay, I'm starting to understand them, see what's going on. And then I started. Then I went to California, got my mental performance coach certification through Dave Austin with Extreme Focus. And then I was like, okay, so now I'm coaching these young men from a mental standpoint on how to be better on the field. And I have to be honest with you, Dr. Brad, obviously I went the sports route. I started at that time slightly dipping into ministry. I was doing some things at nonprofits and community centers, and I was finding my way in my career when it came to a speaking standpoint. But I started realizing after about eight years... While I was trying to figure out what was my demographic, am I going to talk to large corporations, small businesses, schools, where am I going to go? I started realizing that the common denominator was young people, young mm-hmm. adults. And so then I started just leaning in on that and realizing that, you know what I need to become? I need to become the young, the man I needed when I was 17 years old. Okay. And I just said I had yeah. two fathers. So you kind of, uh, yeah, it was before. your
0: aha moment, was it? you kind of your light bulb moment. Is that right? It was,
1: it was, it was, to That's, awaken to that.
0: <laughs> and so that became your calling and your passion to speak to young people, especially since you had come out of an athletic background. You were working for these football recruiting services and basically we were talking to high performance athletes. But uh, but the, if I'm understanding you correctly, also the integration of the mental and emotional aspects oh. to achieve. High performance, you need all of that, right? Is that a fair thing? to Get
1: say? done it at a high level, the mental must be there because mm. I knew many guys with more talent. I, I use—I call them talented casualties, mm. guys who have all the talent in the world, all the natural abilities, yeah. the speed, the height, the weight, the, the just the talent. But they can't keep their emotions in check. Maybe they, were, they can't keep things in check on the football field, and a lot of guys are not playing ball anymore. Let's just say there's probably some of the greatest athletes I've ever seen didn't even make it past the college level because they didn't have the mental capacities to be able to hold themselves together emotionally, and that's and it's such a tragedy because yeah. so much was left on the table with them. Everybody's every community
0: has their has their sandlock legend legends, don't they? Their dirt bowl, the park basketball court guys, or the football guys, the legends who never made it, they end up being on the sidelines somewhere sometimes. They got caught up in substance abuse or any number of things, crime and other things can happen too. But whatever happened, they crashed and burned. And the, And let's talk for a minute by what you are all about in terms of helping people and what you were did in your own right, about helping people to not crash and burn, not only yourself, but others. <laughs> what do you think are two or three actions that people could take, perhaps you took? To break out of a place of being stuck or a place of being not productive to be in a place that is productive. What are some of the actions that people can take?
1: I would say the first thing is to really taking it from a mental standpoint, obviously the more action is being taken. But to realize that like this thing called the thing we call life is it's not about you. We're yeah. called to serve yeah. and service for me it comes at the ground level of gratitude. My whole career changed when I met a mentor who taught me the value of service and gratitude. Like, Because once you have the idea that like I'm here to serve the greatest number of people and raise my level of intellect, my level of service to a certain point, you'll be taken care of on the other end. Now, there obviously are strategies to go through that. You need to have your planning going. You need to have all these things going. But when the mindset is that I'm here to serve, to me, the game of life changes all across the board. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people a lot of people miss that because they're always like, when I get more, I'll give more. And if you never give, you'll never get more. There's so many principles that, that come around that. I would say that is the foundation of everything I do from a business, a service, a philanthropy. It doesn't matter. Service comes first. What can I provide to make other people's lives better first? And then we get into the nuts and bolts because if the mindset and the attitude behind what you do is not already established, you're going to crash and burn, like we already talked about the sand light and different things of that nature. Right. So I would think, first and foremost, get your mind together and understanding that you need to develop the skills and you need to develop an attitude of gratitude and service. And when you get to that point now, You start building on that. Now you start finding out what your niche is, what is going to be your method of service, what's going to be what I like to call even your ministry, because... No matter what you do, the service you provide does end up becoming a ministry, whether you want to believe it or not. Yeah.
0: So I'm hearing at least I've heard at least two actions here we've talking about here. One of them is sharpen your skills, whatever they are, whether it's a football player or an accountant or a student or a doctor or a teacher or whatever to develop your ditch digger. I was trying to say You need to develop your skills and then the mental attitude, service attitude. One of the things I'd like to share. In my own ministry and things, let's have an attitude of, of service instead of serve us as in me serve some people, have a serve us as in serve me instead of instead so of let's be in, in active service to others. And so, a part of that, I believe though in transformation, Ahmad is uh, is the connection to something greater than self. We, you say have an attitude where I can serve others, and sometimes you have to. We cannot serve, I believe, out of an empty cup. You got to be fulfilled in some way or another. So what role, if any, do you think some sort of a spiritual connection or connection to something greater than self, be it uh, spirituality or mental health or anything else along this line, what role does this play in helping people to transform from being crashing and burning to being productive? the mental, the uh, spiritual life here.
1: Dr. Brad, that's the fuel. Nothing in life is fulfilling without some level of spirituality. Obviously, I'm a Christian. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. God gives me the fuel every day to be able to do what I do, which is why every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is give thanks. The first thing I always tell people, my morning ritual is make my bed up. I pull out my Bible and my mail and my man devotional, and I read both of those before I do anything, Hmm. right? The, The bed's made up. And now I'm in the word, I'm in prayer. I pray for my for my guys who are on my prayer list for that day. And that's my morning ritual. And that is the fuel, that is the reason, that is the fulfillment of life for me. Another thing, along the time with the service and the gratitude, and even now, probably in the last two to three years, I've doubled down on how much more time I'm spending with God. That was not a practice that I was, heavy into from the standpoint that like, okay, this is a requirement every day, right? I would, obviously you pray here there, but it was like, I'm very much more intentional about it now. And it Mm -hmm. is the fuel behind every work I do, whether it's in the gym, whether it's in a school, whether it's in the church, whether it's at my job, whether it's in my business, it does not matter. The fuel and the energy and the love that comes from what I do comes from God, because all of my gifts are from God. And that is my strength. That's my rock. To getting, where, I don't so know, I'm you not to use, so out. you've used
0: a daily discipline is what it sounds like to me. Getting of statements of gratitude, prayer, getting into the Bible, you have the Word of God, mm-hmm. and also your devotional guide. It sounds like a book or something like this that you use. That's mm-hmm. all awesome. What's something you've learned recently out of that? Especially perhaps the cumulative effect mm-hmm. of doing that on a disciplined basis. Mm-hmm. Let's tell me something come to you recently?
1: It really has strengthened my faith because I'm a, I'm, I'm a sort of a, I'm a thinker who thinks all the time and I got 9,000 thoughts going on in my head, but I'm also very, very system oriented. Like I, can't, I still have a planner I write in and people mock me for having a written planner. I got a mm. pad sitting next to me while I'm talking to you. Yeah. you know, it, I'm very kind of regimented in that way when it's something that I'm committed to. What this practice has done is it's given me room to allow God to move in my life. To, to leave that space for him to bless something that I'm not thinking of because it's okay. I need to lay everything out so he can bless it. But it's my thoughts are not going to be nowhere near as high as what God can have for me. And so now I've learned to have a more faith in, let's just say, in the unknown of something that I've not yet thought of to where I can be blessed with within what God is calling me to do. So I would say that would, that's the main thing I've gotten out of this is to let go of something, which for somebody like myself drives me almost crazy. Yeah. Because cause yeah, I want to know. I want to know.
0: Turn it over to something greater than self. I think that's one of the things we do when we connect it with something greater than the self, be it God or whatever. Some of our listeners may have some other aspect of that, but to to be fulfilled by that and that helps and guides us and lead us to the next step. And there's a level of surrender to that you need to do and control freaks like myself. I'll speak for myself. Sometimes have to be broken of that habit. Then that leads us, though, then Ahmad, to Creating new habits. At least that's one aspect, and I'm a big believer. As we talked about, I like to follow what I call the ACTS plan. ACTS plan: the A is for action, and that's some of the things we talked about, some of the actions we take, the gratitude, and so on. And the C is connecting with a higher power, and I believe that's an important part of that as well. But I, I believe when you do that, leads you then to okay, what do I need to actually do? Here's what I need to not do, but here's my what is my new habits. What are my new things? And that's where I like to, the word acts, the T on the word acts is to think strategically. So let's talk for a minute about what are the new habits, the new actions, the new things to do. And I know you've laid out a few things in your new book called Now What? You talk about five steps that people can take. What are some of the steps that people can take, either yourself or others can take, to start to implement a new way of life that is going to be productive and fulfilling and meaningful, not only to themselves, but to make a contribution to the greater good.
1: First and foremost, one of the big things that I'm big on is actually writing things down, not okay. typing notes in on your phone. I'm talking about actually pen and pad, yeah. writing things down, getting away from the technology, Right, picking up a physical book, not an ebook. I'm talking about where you can just stow away, have that time to yourself, and read and write and get your thoughts down. Like every morning I have, let's just say I have a big three every morning where it's like, I have all these things laid out, but it's okay. Of these things need to be laid out because I'm sure you have as well. There's probably 12 things that need to be done, but what's the big three? What are, if nothing else I get done, what is the needs to be done? And it can be small, right? It can be, Hey, fold up that pile of clothes over there. It can be, Send out this email. Because I think sometimes we always think that everything has to be a big and major accomplishment. It's, we put together a proposal. We finish that business plan and things of that nature. And all of that stuff is important. But I want people to get to the point where they they have action steps out there and they can see that something is completed. That's why I love whether it's Jordan Peterson or the, whether it's the Army General. I can't think of his name right now. Where it's just make your bed up.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot Play the name make your bed, to manage it by making your bed or something like that. Yeah. I-
1: yeah. Clean your room, wash some. Because sometimes for somebody who's out there listening, it might be one of those seasons where you just don't feel like you're getting anything done and nothing's getting done. And it's like, I teach a lot of my people, if you're in a rut and things aren't going well for you, go to that place and everybody has it in there. There's that room or that closet that's a mess. This 100% mm-hmm. junk. And wow. there's some things that need to get rid of. Remember we remember I like to do the addition the addition by subtraction. I right. said go find one box. I said I can put a shredder on one side and put a trash bag on the other. <laughs> you go through that box and you start tossing things out and if you think twice about hey, do I need to keep this? Remember, it's been sitting away from you for months or years and you've lived life without whatever's in that box. So 95% of the time it needs to go, but you'll feel so much fulfillment in releasing things that that no longer serve you. When you have that cluttered environment, and I'm thinking from a guy who absolutely was looking at his office this morning, just frustrated, that's no. why I decided to step away from my house today because I need to clean out some spaces. I need to clean off the desk. Get the junk out of your life because when you take care of the physical surroundings, it clears your head up mentally to be able to do greater and good things in your life, to be able to just mm-hmm. be able to laser-like focus when there's nothing on your desk. I'm not no. saying you gotta all out and be a minimalist, but let's start getting more towards that. And those type of things will clear your mind and clear your spirit to be able to allow room Remember, we talked about making room yeah, making and surrendering
0: room something greater. So in order to make room, you got to clear some junk out. You sound like a little bit by my wife now, about some of the, the right behind where I'm sitting. Those are attic. It's got piles of boxes in there need to be gone through from decades, <laughs> in my case, decades. But you're right. It makes a big difference when you do that. You make room. What are you making room for now? Let's go to the next. What are some other things that you do here? What are you making room for?
1: For one, you're making room for new and amazing ideas, or... Okay. It helps you solve a problem that you haven't been able to solve, whether it's starting to write a book, whether it's a new career, whether it's launching a business, because we have we have a lot of ideas that have been on our goal sheet for years, or even bigger than that, we haven't put the goals on paper yet, put it down on plain tablets yet. So we're up here trying to make major moves without even having a blueprint. And we, we obviously outline that, and now what? when we're looking through everything, and I think we do that in in the, between the decide and the plan phase, because obviously we open up with reflection, which we've talked about that enough already. It's like, Hey, where are we? How did we get here? And that's your reflect stage. Then we go into decide. Okay. We see what's going on here. Now, what is it that we want? What do you want from your life? Because if you can't define it, you can't, you can't be blessed with what you don't have anything, nothing written down that you want to do with your life. And then we go into our planning phase. That's when we start going into the goals. It's like, all right, we decided, okay, I want to be a landscaper. Okay. Now the planning stage, what do we need to be a landscaper? We need tools. We need equipment. We need an LLC. We need start listing out all the things you need and then start looking at how, how do I acquire this? Is it going to cost money for these things? What do we need a crew? Can we do this on our own? What is the business aspect of things? And you start lining all those things out. And once you take care of the reflect, decide, and plan stage, then now you go into action. You go into action and say, all right, now, what is this right here? How long is it going to take me to acquire acquire the skills to do this? What do I need for this? How much money do I need for this? Because you may need some steps you need to do in before. Let's just say something you need for the business is $10,000, and maybe all you have is four okay, so now how are we going to get the other 6,000? Meaning you might have to do something that's not part of this goal to gain the resources to take care of the goal. Yeah, yeah.
0: You
1: want to do all of those things. And of course, the last point after ACT is to seek. And that's a, huge, that's a huge component that we haven't yet gotten into. But the main thing is that life is not meant to be lived alone. You need a community. That's you need awesome. mentors. You need accountability allies. I know we hear all of these things and we've Society has really pushed us away from the family aspect so much these days to where I did this on my own. Nobody helped me, which is just a, a falsehood. That's a lie. No one acquires success of any kind alone. Mm-hmm. And life is not meant to be lived alone. It's supposed to be met in community and right. family and villages. The reason why we have so many issues now with our young people is because society has successfully broken the family and just decimated it. And mm-hmm. there's a number of reasons why we probably don't have time to get into those today, but we know of many of the things that are happening that is killing the family. Yeah. And, well, and so it's, we got to rebuild.
0: It sounds like you outlined rather well there, the five steps that we just did there, the five steps from the Now What book. So let's yes, just sir. go over them again, just succinctly now. You gave us the paragraph version. Give me the bullet points for what they are so we can put that, just have a little more clarity what the bullet points are there of those five things.
1: Right. Yes. So, reflect is the starting point for everything. No matter where you are in life, boom. How backward. do we get here? What is going on? Reflect. All right. Gotcha. Reflect. Look around at your surroundings, and this is where to use the Napoleon Hill word. This is where we take personal inventory.
0: All right. Very. What's dear. going
1: on? All right. And second.
0: So, second f- f- part of the five. Second is
1: decide. 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 You see where we are, and we're just, we need to make a decision. Okay. Where do we want to go?
0: So you can't reflect forever. You can't stand in the grocery aisle, decide between seven different different types of cookies. you got to pick out a cookie and go. I wonder why I'm thinking about cookies today. You got the idea. So decide. Well,
1: cookies are good. Yeah, that's right, man. Cookies are
0: good. Well,
1: basically what you're saying is you're sitting in a grocery store and you're reflecting and you're hungry, but you haven't chosen something to eat.
0: That's right. That's (laughs) right. So (laughs) So what's the the third one here?
1: The third one is to plan. Plan. We reflect. We decided what we want. How do we do it? Yeah. How do we do it? The, 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 you, you you plan. You start laying it out. What's the game plan? What's the blueprint? A mind map. Uh, a business plan. You got to a goal uh, yeah. sheet.
0: And I those think, types. And you're saying write it down. Make it a written plan.
1: Write it down.
0: It's a yeah. good. It's not just a plan of good intentions. Or, or someday I'll get around to it. You got to actually make a plan. Okay. What's the and actually,
1: one? actually, in the book, if I may, interject, yes, when you write it down, because there's a section, there's a section in, in, in the plan where it does say write it down. And what I, what I want you to do is I want you to write it down, pen, paper, and then I want you to read it out loud to yourself. Okay. Think yeah. about what's going on here. You got the pen. You're moving it. That's an action. You're reading it. You see it. You say it aloud. So now it goes now to your or it goes into your ears and hear it, and your brain gets to hear it. So it's a full circle type of mental activity. You write it, you're reading it, you say it back to yourself, you hear it, and now it comes back full circle. That's a very important step in that because now you get to hear, you get to hear the vision that's laid out to you. So that was what we do in the plan stage. Then right. of course we go into action. Like next one would be action, act. So that's the implementation and stage, right? Implementation. Get up and start moving. You know what they say? God can't steer a parked car. There you go. Right. You gotta go. You gotta make some moves. And some people say, maybe I'm not ready. Even if you don't have all the steps laid out, I want you to get moving because sometimes in your moving, you will learn some things. It's kind of like people who make marketing plans forever, but they never try it out to see if it works. Yeah. I want you to go out and try it out. I want you to run into roadblocks. I want you to run into dead end. I want you to fall into a ditch, maybe sprain your ankle along the way. All of that is part of the process and understanding. Anybody who out there that started the a business and laid out that business plan, every one of them will tell you that nothing went like they wrote down initially. Not a single thing.
0: Yeah. If you, if we all quit after we failed, we'd all none of us would be walking because the first time we fell down when we were toddlers, we would never get back up and walk again. We got to keep going. So one more thing in your plan in your, your process here, your five steps.
1: The last one is to seek. Seek counsel, seek guidance, seek wisdom.
0: And that's your um, t- that's people in your life and how you serve people and that type of thing.
1: Like one of my one of my one of my guys said, Dr. Greg Reese said. The most successful people are the most available people that is one thing that the internet has done for us it has made the world smaller yes. somebody who's in your industry who does something great at the level that you're trying to do it at they're on linkedin they're on social media and they're accessible whether you want to believe it or not and there's a method i teach in there on how to reach out to people who are maybe eight ten steps ahead of you as far as what's going on reach out to them get you a mentor get you accountability allies find the top three to five people in your industry and reach out to them and ask them one single question okay. and tell them that you want a little bit of their time.
0: So you've and reached out to people now and they're reaching out to you through your book. So who is this book for and how's it serve them?
1: It was written mainly for young adults. I say 17 through 20, though it can work for somebody who's older. Cause really it's about is making a major transitional move in your life, maybe changing careers, because we know people who change careers in their 40s. But it's mainly for those who are coming out of college and haven't figured out what life looks like yet, because you've been insulated, you've been in dorm rooms, you've been in your parents' house. But it's also for the person who maybe has some legal issues, maybe stuck in a certain situation. Maybe somebody who's in a broken home. So Marriage let's, didn't work Yeah,
0: so you've got this group targeted, and it's been the main focus of your of your life. It seems like to me, through through your writing and through your organization. Tell me about a person who you have served in one form or another, either through your writing or through your organizations you're involved with, who you've seen this impact, this turnaround. Give me some sort of a. Uh, a story here about a person or maybe perhaps a group of people that you've served?
1: Yes. ooh, there's so many to choose from. But I think I would like to use a young man I worked with about 10 years ago. He had a great story. He was a football player in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and he was pretty good, but not like your high-end guys, not a guy whose name was very known. And his dad hired me to help him out through the process. And we were looking over everything, and I take an athlete at a totality. I take their playing skills, I take their grades, and I take their financial and family situation, and I put it all together, and almost like into a formula. And the way we marketed him was to tell him, like, hey, here's a young man who's going to come on your team. He's going to be a good ambassador for the team. If you need him to play, he can but he's going to be a good locker room guy. He's going to be a team player and he's going to do what's needed for the team to win, whatever you ask him to do. And we marketed him that way to the school. He ended up going there. I think he played about three years in his last year, the coaches and him decided that maybe it was time for him to move on, but he was able to use football as a catalyst for much bigger things. By the time he was 22 years old, he had already had his, he had made it to where the money his father had saved for him to go to college was taken care of because we found him enough academic money for him to be able to get through school. So now he can go take that money and use it towards something else. When I last checked in on him, he was 22, 23 years old and he was making $81,000 as, as an engineer. Wow. And, and look at that. I look at that from straight success story because now it is showing that you can use all the gifts that are given to you to be able to make something happen. And he was... I've worked with athletes for many years, and I got plenty of success stories. But that one was one that was particularly um, impressive for me because of the nature of we use sports and academics and merge those two together and led with where he was strong. He was a marginal athlete, but he was an exceptional student, and he went to school as a student athlete. Wow! But notice his student athlete
0: that feels good when you have been a part of that process in one form or another because not everybody's going to go and be a starting safety for the Dallas Cowboys or that kind of thing they're going to more people have the opportunity if they want to leverage whatever the wilderness experience they have into something greater if they choose to so a great story there Ahmad Ahmad, if there's people out there listening and our listening audience who have resonated with what you've shared here today how can they learn more about you, how perhaps can they get your book, Now What? Let's find out more about how people can make a connection with you.
1: Thank you for that. It's uh, amadvital.com. That's A-H-M-A-R-D-V-I-T-A-L.com. That's the hub for all of my services, all of my products. Now, what is available on all the major platforms that sell books? I think last time my publisher told me it's on 33 different places. So whichever one is your favorite, by all means, go check out the book. If you want to get a quick preview of it and see... um, and see some of the points, booknowwhat.com. That's booknowwhat.com for your radio guests. They can get a free copy, a free preview copy of it, and check it out before they go make a purchase. We'd love for you to be able to get that purchase product there. the audio book will be possibly done by the end of the year publisher does not want me to get in the lab yet i'm really looking forward to doing that but the ebook and the paperback is available now would love to get their feedback on it we've gotten a lot of great feedback and results on it thus far it's only been out about two months but we have gotten some great some great feedback on it up to this point so i'm grateful to be able to share that with the world
0: also you've shared with us some good things here Ahmad and we'll put connections to everything you share at your website, at our website, DrBradMiller.com, and people can find out more about your book, Now What? and What You're All About. Good stuff here today. Appreciate you sharing about your story. I know it takes a lot to share some sensitive parts of your story, but you've shared it in order as to be a gift of gratitude to give to others who have that need. And I thank you for doing that and taking that risk. Our guest today on Beyond Adversity, Ahmad Vital from AhmadVital.com. Our guest today on the Beyond Adversity podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. Thanks so much to Ahmad Vital, who is our guest today here on Beyond Adversity you could find him at A H M A R D V I T A L a h m a r d v i t a l.com we'll put links to that in our show notes at drbradmiller.com. i did want to list lift up just to understand what his book now what is all about is it's a guide in many ways particularly to young people uh, who are in a state of despair and just you know really at a uh, deep dark place Feeling like they've hit rock bottom, but a lot of the transferable principles that can r- apply to any of us. And five principles he talked about: there is the intention phase to reflect, decide, and plan, and the initiative phase of taking action and to seek counsel. And I invite you to check out his book now. What? And we'll put links to uh, links to his website. At our, at our website, drbradmeller.com, you can find out more about it there. He deals here with the many aspects of uh, mental health and motivation for young people, but it can be applied to you. That's so what we're here to do here at drbradmeller.com, where the, uh, here at the, at the podcast Beyond Adversity, we are all about uh, helping to identify points of adversity, points where people get stuck. And then give some practical advice, some practical direction, some discernment of your situation to help you get through it. We call it Grow Through What You Go Through. And really, we deal with the five Ds of adversity, depression, divorce, disease, debt, and death. And we have uh, all kinds of folks. If you go head over to drbradmiller.com, you're going to find over 260 episodes, uh, many of them with uh, these experts in all these areas. Who could speak into your life? Go there to the library, uh, look under the topics and you will find something that can apply to your life or pass along to somebody else and invite you to do that. Perhaps in this episode today, you can pass it along, particularly perhaps to a young person who needs a little motivation from a uh, author like Ahmad Vital. I'm here to serve. My name is Dr. Brad Miller. I come to you with a background of 42 years in Christian ministry and a doctoral degree in transformational leadership. But most of all, I love to serve and I love to be helpful to you. So check me out at drbradmiller.com and hope that you'll also check out the next episode of the Beyond Adversity Podcast, the Beyond Adversity Podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. And until then, my good friends, remember to always do all the good